and that's where the problem comes. We want to talk today as we go again into opening up our Bibles in 1 John, the letters of John. And over the last two Sundays, we were looking at John writing these letters back to the churches. He was a pastor of these churches. He went around. They would have known him. And once that letter came back into the church, I can just imagine the excitement of them to hear from their pastor again. An apostle, uh, the Bible notes him as the disciple that Jesus loved. doesn't make him a weak man. Does he make him the apostle of love and it's this tiny, weak little man? No, he was also called the son of thunder. You remember? He was a fisherman. He, he was an hardened man until the day that he met Jesus. And that's what happens to all of us. We are so hardened, full of ourselves, until we meet Jesus. And what does he do? He changes us. He, this granite heart that was inside of you, he changes into a flesh heart. Yes, so that you can, you can have the capacity to carry the love of Christ within you and within me. So this is what he's writing back to these people. And we've heard now already that he said that God is light. You remember that? And God is love. And God is life. Light, love, life. Don't forget that. That is the God that we serve. God is light, love, and He's life. He gives light and direction for each one of us in life and he gives us love to be able to love others and remember love is not an emotion it is a commandment from god it comes from him it's his dna it's his essence which he gives over to us and we need to operate in that essence and then his life he gave us life we were dead you say, but I'm alive. Look at me. Woohoo, I'm alive. No, no, you were dead in your sins and trespasses. We're going to see that. But He gives life. And last week, we see how this happens. I love it when John writes down. I love all the writers of the Bible, by the way. If you ask me, what is your favorite verse in the Bible? I've got plenty of them. There's not only one. What's your fav most favorite verse in the Bible? There it is. The whole Bible. It's full of the, the mind of God, and we need to live in that. If, if, if you start living in this, your life will be healed. Yes, it will be healed. Your troubles won't go away, but your life will be healed. And this is it. So we saw last week that it was revealed. Christ was on this earth. He walked with us. John says we heard Him, we saw Him, we touched Him, we, and, and we could see He was revealed to us. But in order for His revelation to come to you, you need to experience that. Who remembers a man by the name of Nicodemus? Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, in the Gospels of John, if you go back to chapter 2, the last few verses, and you go and read there, he was standing in the crowd there in Jerusalem as Jesus was doing miracles. And everybody went, Hoo-ha! Miracles! Wow, it's great! But Jesus didn't commit Himself to them. Why? Because they were there for the miracles. They were there for the show, for the lights, and the ambience, and the music, and the jokes, and the stories. And when He did the miracles, they were satisfied. Even today, churches are like that. But we won't go into that. But there was a man standing there. His name was Nicodemus. And by night, he came to Jesus. And he said, we know that you are this great teacher. And Jesus turns to him and he says, you must be born again. You see, Christ was revealed 
and experienced. You remember what I asked you last week to go and have a look at? Have you experienced Christ? You might be sitting here, you might be smiling, you might be singing the songs, you might be clapping, 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 and everything is good. But if you haven't experienced Christ like Paul on the road of Damascus, my friend, you can listen to me, listen to me this morning. You can have a stance on the rapture, you can have a stance on the baptism, you can have answer all the difficult questions in the Word of God. But if you haven't experienced Christ and come to be born again, you are lost. That is a fact. You can be the most best teacher. You can be the best expositor of the Word of God. You can, all your friends can come to you and you can quote scripture verses just like that out of your mind. But did you know that a parrot can do that as well? You're not a parrot, you're a child of God. So, so here we go. He's revealed, he's experienced, and then what did we say last week and the last week? He was shared. We need to share Christ. He comes and lives in us not to make us only better. He comes and lives in us to give us a commandment. What is the great commandment, church? Go and make disciples, yes, of yourself. Let them follow you. Well, that's the gospel of today. That's the gospel out there. Let's make some followers to follow me. And I'm this great hoo-ha. I'll proclaim myself to be an apostle or... A presbyter, you know, you call me Bishop from now on. Bishop John Shipman, okay? So, Janelle, next Sunday as you walk through the door, say, Morning, Bishop. <laughs> I will not make a claim for that, friends. No, no, we need to become humble so that He can make us. Yes? So, uh, we share Christ with one another. Now, John is going a little bit deeper now. By now, as you read through that first part of that letter, I now accept that you now has got those concepts which I just told you. Now he goes a layer deeper. It's like a baby. Now we're giving a little bit more than milk. This is what he's doing, okay? And today we're going to talk about walking in the light. He laid the foundation. He says God is light. And now today we're going to look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 to 10. And it's part 3 of the test of reality in a Christian's life. This will give you reality, okay? And we start off with this verse, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. If you've got your Bible, you can follow it there or you can look on the screen. He says, this is the message which we have heard from Him. Who's the Him? It's Jesus. Remember, John, we heard it last week. He experienced Jesus. He heard Jesus. Jesus came to this earth to tell people about who? About God, about the Father. Thomas came to me and said, show us the Father. He says, come on, Thomas. You've been me all this time and you, and you tell me you don't know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And this is what he writes to these people now. He says, this is the message. The message is the gospel, the good news. The message which we've heard from Him and now we declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Friend, if God walks with you, next to you, you've got a shadow. God don't have a shadow. A shadow shows you darkness. A shadow shows you matter. Are you with me now? 
Everything out there has got to matter. You don't all look back now, okay? But if I look through the windows out there, there's a tree and there's a shadow. There's a car and there's a shadow. You walk and there's a shadow. But let's, let's spiritualize this for a minute. If you walk with sin in your life, it casts a shadow over your life. This is the two contrasts that he do here. You see, John writes to them, he says, there's a problem here, and that is how can a sinful man, full of sin, approach a holy God? How is that? What is the, what is the answer to that? Philosophers over the ages is trying to answer this question. Way more clever people than me. If you look at me, in front of my name is Mr. John Shipman. And it's only Mr. Yeah, I did study. I'm a teacher. You, you can say I can lay claim on Mr. a little bit more because I'm a male or Mrs. But you know, there's some people who's got a professor in front of their name. So you look at them and you go, wow, that's a clever guy. But you see, these people are trying to answer this question. How can a sinful people approach a holy God? First of all, he gave us a nation called Israel to show us how a sinful people can approach a holy God. And you read through the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and you see how God deals with these people and how we can approach God. But we also see that he punishes sin. He does. You're not going to get away with that. You see, what John brilliantly do here is he gives us the contrast between light and darkness light is pure light is revealing you walk at night time into a dark dark room and you can't see anything so what do you do you get your flashlight out and as soon as you click that button what happens it's revealed so this is what happens by this sun that god gave us is the light giver but there cometh a day when the sun will be no more. It's in your Bible. Who's going to be the light? He's going to be the light. So as the sun goes over and it goes down, darkness comes. Remember that light is not the absence of darkness, but darkness is the absence of light. And as it goes down, a lot of things is not there anymore. I was in the army, and, and you know, one of the things they did is they marched us out into the field, and there was a small hill. And they let us sit there. This is part of the training. They let us sit there. And dawn came, you know. Dawn is the night time, is it? Yep. It's when the sun goes, yeah. And we were sitting there in the field as dawn came. And we had to look at this hill and study it. And look at the tall trees and so on. Because that night, dear friends, we were going to do leopard crawl. Who knows what is leopard crawling? It is when you don't walk on these two legs of yours, you walk on fours. It's on your two knees and your two elbows and you crawl, okay? With your rifle, you crawl through. Okay, so we were going to do this. And we were sitting there looking at this, this hill. And, and I sat there and I looked, that's that, that. There was a certain point. But I'll tell you what, by night time came, we started crawling. They were looking for groups who disappeared for four hours after we needed to finish. Because we couldn't see. This is what darkness do. It confuses you. And he brings to us this contrast between light and darkness. Let's put it into a spiritual sense. God is holy. Light represents holiness. And then he brings the second part in me. He says, and in him there is no darkness. So it's light against darkness that he gives us here. That's what he starts off with. 
So, how does it work? Let's continue on reading. 1 John chapter 1 verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We tell a lie. But if we walk in the light, this is our topic for the day, but if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, and not only is He in the light, but He is light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And now you should shout, Hallelujah! Because it washes away your sin. In verse 8 he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. I just want to push on a little bit further. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. I'm not going to do an expository on that verse, but I want to show you something here. He continues to write on, My little children, these things I write to you, so that you may not sin. And if anyone sin, what then, John? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We're going to look into that next week. And He Himself is a preparation for our sin, and not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Praise the Lord. Now, I've done a count here. You find sin mentioned eight times in that passage. Have you noticed? Sin. Eight times that He mentions the word sin. I think it's pretty important if you repeat something, isn't it? He repeats it eight times. There is the problem. Remember our first verse that we started with? This is the message which we have heard from Him to declare to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness. There is a big gulf between these two. And here He brings it just back to us and he, He's now going to pinpoint the problem that makes this gulf between us and God. It is the word sin. The Hebrew that's, or the Greek, a bigger part, the Greek that's used here for the word sin is the word harmatia. And harmatia means to wander from the path of uprightness and honor, to do or to go wrong, to wander from the law of God. That's what it means. So he says that everyone wanders from the law of God. Now, the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in the book of Romans. David says that we all were born going astray as soon as we were born speaking lies. We were born in the sinful nature. Eight times he wants to bring it to us. So what does it mean, harmatia? Everybody seen that? That is a dartboard for those who don't know, but I guess you know. And to just explain to you this thing about harmatia. Harmatia means to miss the mark. If the law of God is the mark, if the law of God is the bullseye, harmatia means you do not hit the bullseye. Now, let me put it, because I know there's a few people who do this very good here, okay? But let me explain this to you. If I put that in your house and I say, look, you're going to have a thousand goes at it a day. That's a little bit... Isn't it? 
Let's bring it down, 500. Let's give you 500 for the next time of your life. Let's say for the next 80 years. Let's say 90 years. Every single day. Every day. 500 is a little bit tough. Let's bring it down to 100. I want to make it easy for you. You've got to go out every single day. Remember this now. For 90 years. How many days is that? I haven't got a calculator here and I'm not going to calculate now. But you, you get 100. Let's bring it a little bit closer. 50 goes. You've got to stand in... Oh, wait a minute. Okay, let's make it super easy. Once. Okay? One time a day you stand in front with one dart in your hand. And for 90 years, every single day, you need to stand there, mic it up and throw it right into the bull. Riding to the bull. Who's up for the challenge? How many times do you think you're going to miss? You might hit it a few times. Come on, you get better at this thing. <laughs> you get better at the thing. I mean, practice, next day practice. But listen, friend, there is no room for error. What if I make it so more difficult and say, look, the first 13 years of your life, which generally we call it's the years of coming to age or understanding, okay? When this little brain of yours starts sticking in and you start getting life and you know the things that you are doing, you're doing it purposely wrong. That's what they call the, the age of, of knowledge or coming to, okay? Let's say I, I say, okay, that's fine. We'll give you your first 13 years to practice, but you only get one shot every day at that bullseye for 13 years every day. You get a lot of practice. And then I say, after your 13th year, the very next day, if you miss that bullseye, we're going to kill you. You're going to die. You think that's fair? What's your chances? Because I'll tell you one thing, it's okay for 13 years you hit it and you don't hit the bull. That's fine. Why? There's no consequences. But once I say tomorrow, and now we all turn up, I'll tell you what, the pressure on you to know now that if I'm not going to hit that bull's eye, I'm going to be hurt. I'm, I'm really going to be hurt. Now, I don't even, because, you know, if you think about this whole thing, dear friends, this is our Christian life. The Word of God says if you break the law, even the smallest one of them, you are guilty to die. You are guilty to die, friends. If you sin, there is no other way for you to live eternal after with sin. The Bible says it itself. It says in God there is no darkness. Did you read that with me? If I put one shade of gray into that light, then it's not pure anymore. And God will not allow purity into heaven. This is what that word means. Think about that next time. It's missing the mark. Aramatia. Eight times. Eight times he repeats that word. But you know what? Churches don't want to have sin preaching anymore these days. They don't want to be reminded of this. I'll tell you, friend, if, if I get invited to go into a mega church and preach this sermon, they'll boo me off the stage and never again invite me. But that's fine. I'm in good company. 
But there's another word which I quickly want to show you as we, as we go on. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Listen to Paul now writing. He says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. There you see our word aromatia. You know now it's missing the mark, missing the law of God. You see the law is a tutor. Who, who heard that? That the law is a tutor. It's a teacher. Okay? Let me explain that to you just quickly. In the Roman days, when a boy was growing up in the wealthier families, there was a, a servant which they brought in as the baby was born. That servant will become the shadow of that child. Wherever that child goes, that servant will teach and train them how to brush their teeth, how to put on their clothes, how to tie their... And they will just keep on teaching him, keep on teaching them. We'll be there with them. Until the day when that child goes to school and now the tutor needs to stand outside and wait. They need to learn on their own now. The law of God brings you to Christ. That's what He does. It brings you to Christ. And from there, you learn in Christ. And here is that word. He says, since is harmatia, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, and among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, look at this now, by nature, children of wrath. You were born that way, by nature, just as the others. But he uses, he introduces, Paul introduces a second word here. You see that word, trespass? There's two ways that we fall short of God. One is we miss the mark. Secondly, is, he uses the word paraptoma there, the Greek word paraptoma. Paraptoma means to fall beside or near something. A lapse of deviation from the truth and uprightness. Have you seen this before? That is what paraptoma means. Paraptoma means that you've trespassed, you went into an area where you were not allowed to go into. Who knows that the Word of God has got a lot of, a lot of trespass notices. If you want to live by the law, and by far, I'm telling you, we're not pre, we are preaching the law, but we are under Christ's law now. Yes, the freedom of Christ. But Paul says, now that we have that grace, do we sin more? Now that we have the grace of Christ, do we jump the fence now? Are we allowed now to jump the fence and conduct in, in these things? Are we allowed to go into areas we were not allowed? But then I hear people preaching that from pulpits and they say, Oh, we're under the grace. You can do whatever you want to do. Go and tell that to that poor girl who was raped by a Christian, a so-called Christian. Is that what Paul, is that what the Word of God is all about? No, it's not. So two words here that you and I need to know. Aramatia and paraptoma. One is missing the mark, and the other is to trespass, to go into areas where we are not allowed to go. Now, it is terrible if you think about it this way now. Why did I go down this way of really laying that foundation down? Remember what it says in verse 5? God is light. And in Him there is no darkness at all. Now, I want to ask you now, if, if you read through that, <clears throat> how many times do you see darkness? Let's have a quick look. We were, he made us alive who were dead. 
Death belongs in the darkness, yeah? We were dead in trespasses and sins. Those two by nature is darkness. Once you walked according to the course of this world, is this world dark or is it light? It's darkness, isn't it? According to the prince of the power of air. Who's that? He's the agent of darkness. Who's that? That's Lucifer. That's Satan. He epitomizes darkness, isn't it? And let's continue on. How many darkness? Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Is that darkness or is it light? You see, this is the contrast. Come on, we need to see the contrast. Uh, he says, among whom you also conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh? You want to do the things which you, the naughty things. Well, you were a naughty, naughty boy today. You did that. The things you are not allowed to do. And that's darkness, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind. Who knows that the mind can be a cave of darkness? A cave of darkness. You can sit here and speak all the nice and beautiful words, but in there you can have the most awful thoughts going on. It's a cave of darkness if it's not renewed by Jesus Christ. And we're by nature children. Who knows that wrath is? This picture here, what I want to show you all is darkness, yeah? And then he says, God is light. Can you see the gulf? Now, how do we then, John, how do we approach this God? How do we get to God? Friends, I need to preach to you the gospel of Christ. You have to repent and come to Christ. Now, let's continue on. You see again those passages, John 1 verse 1, uh, chapter 1 verse 5. How many times does he say, if we say? Have you noticed? He says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness... What he's doing now, he's bringing us our words and actions. Have you noticed? We say something, but we do something else. This is what he's now talking about as well. And we, we do that. I mean, in my life, I'm a serial offender in that. Whoops. That's weakness. You just told us you... Yes. There's something. I did it yesterday. I absolutely did it. I know it's not a sin, but I did yesterday. But I'll, I'll confess it to you. This yesterday morning, I said, "Man, I'm going to get in the garden. I'm going to jump out." That was in my mind. I said it over my words at work. They said, "What are you going to do this weekend, John?" I go, "Man, I can't wait for Saturday. I'm going to get in the garden. You know, it's a little bit sunny. I'm going to mow the lawns. I'm going to do all these things." Yeah, and I said, and I really talked myself up. What happened yesterday morning? <laughs> I was lying in bed and go. Yeah, I'll start in an hour. <laughs> who's, been, who's been there and done that? <laughs> Who knows that that is the start of procrastination? You just got to get out and do it, man. Now, uh, I can't invite you to my house because it looks a mess outside. <laughs> I didn't do it. Look, this is a little bit more lighter, but there's people who say that they walk in the light, John says, but they walk in darkness. They say they are Christians. They say they are Jesus Christ followers, but they do the opposite of showing that they are Christian followers. You see, when we get born again, dear, dear friends, we get born again and then we need to show the fruit of repentance. The fruit of repentance. That's what we need to show. And he says it here. So John is going to tell us that action speaks louder than words. And he calls us to walk in the light. Remember when he said that we need to walk in the light. Now how does that work? How does it work? Explain it to us. Let's go back to our first verse again. 
and I'll quickly explain it to you. He says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared it to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. For us to understand how it works, we go back to the gospel. John chapter 1 verse 1. Now that we know that God is light, let's follow it in this verse. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. What was God? Light. Okay, there's the light. We know that God is light. We can use that knowledge now and apply it to the Scripture. We don't bring this in and we don't read meaning into the Scripture. We're now getting, getting the meaning from the Scripture. He says, and the Word, which is Jesus, the Word Logos, was with God. He was with light. And what does he say now? He was in the beginning with God. Now, was Jesus God? Yes, He's God. It's not a God. He is God. So in other words, Jesus is light. If God is light, Jesus is light. That's how it works. Hang on. It gets better. In verse 3 he says, All things were made through Him. So what, will, what can we say now? That light made all things if God is light. You see, our source of your life, our source of this whole planet, our source of this whole universe didn't come from darkness. It came from light. It came from God. And God meant it to be good. And He still does. Because. Now He says, everything was made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. Look at this now. He says, in Him was life. And that life that was inside of Him was the light of all men. The life is the light. I'm going to repeat it again because I want you to sink in. I want you to remember this. The life is the light. Why do I say that? Because, friends, when I preach to you, I want to preach Jesus Christ. I don't want to come here and open up a book of another author and we're going to go through the book. I don't want to come here with an idea of somebody about something. If I preach to you, I'm safe if I preach Jesus Christ. Why? Because I talk about the light and I talk about the life who will give you life and who will give you light in your troubled life. That is how it is. Plain and simple. And let me tell you, there's a Sunday school going on in the other side. If those little children were sitting here in the front row, they would have get what I'm telling you now. This is what the Word of God is all about. It's not supposed to be for professors. It's supposed to be for little children and for us. I want to preach to you Jesus Christ. Because, friends, you've got, you've got a dark life. You've got a troublesome life. You come to me, you ask me. I can see it in your eyes. And I've got the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. And guess where He's from? He's from the light. That's what that verse tells me. That's the foundation. And that's how it works. In other words, the life, the life there was the light. Who is walking in that light? Listen, now you, now you start putting these puzzles all together. You say, wait a minute, God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. And we need to walk in the light, yes? So that means we need to walk in the life. Now who had the life? It's right there. Jesus Christ had the life. 
He says, no one can come to the Father except through me. No one can come. You've read it at the table. The, the popular leftist gospel today is, can you say that Jesus is the only way? Oprah Winifrey says it. He can't be the only way. There's many roads that leads to Rome. There's many roads that leads to God. She is wrong. Oprah is wrong. Oh, who are you, that old preacher down there at Karim Downs? I don't care. It doesn't matter who you are, but you are wrong. Because here we see that God is life, and if you want to have light in your life, you come to the life, and it's Jesus Christ, nobody else. Nothing more, nothing less. It's Him alone. Uh, so let's continue. John chapter 8. We find Jesus now well into His ministry. Now the question is, how does this life produce this light in us? We saw it back there, that life is the light. But now if the life is on the outside, how, how do we get it on the inside? If you go past my house at 12 at night, well, that's a little bit late. If 11 at night, I'm normally in bed by, by then, Oscar. I'm, by 12 I'm in bed, the lights will be out. But if you drive past my house at night and you see the lights on, where's the light? It's in my house, it's not where you are. How do we get the light from Jesus into us? He gives us the answer. Look at John chapter 8 verse 12. He says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. There he makes the claim himself. Now, I love the word of God. Because if you didn't get this, John 1, you, you sit there you say, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, Jesus makes it easy. Here he goes, he says, I am the light of the world. Now, we know that within that light is what? Life. He says, I am the light of the world. Now, follow this now. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the life of life. Wow, that brings it all together now, isn't it? It brings it all together. So how do we bring the light and the life of Christ in us? One word, follow. You see it there? How do we do this? He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. What did John say in this letter? We need to walk in the light. Jesus says now to you and me, this is how you do it. You follow who? Jesus Christ. Hare Krishna? Buddha? No, you follow Him. If you follow. Now, there is a, look, listen to me. There is a wealth that lies behind that word follow. That word follow means you become a disciple of His. You know what a disciple is? A didakos? You follow Him wherever He goes. In those days, the rabbi would walk and these little followers will come wherever He goes. You know what John says? John said to us, He was revealed to me, I experienced Him, and now I share Him to all people. So John became one of these followers. That's the kind of follower He became. Yeah? Are you that follower? Come on, answer that question honestly. Because friend, you can lie to yourself. No, you can't, because you know the truth. But you can't lie to God. And, you, and listen, there's a third one who knows that you're telling lies, and he's the prince of the power of the air. Are you walking in that? Are you following him? Now look at this. He says, He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. He shall not walk in darkness. He says, you see, this is the wonderful thing. You get the life 
And once you get the life, it gives you the light. How do you get the light? You get the life. How do you get the life? You get the light. <laughs> oh, I love this. I absolutely love this, friends. This is the gospel to the purest. It's Him. Jesus said it to you and me. This light will come into your dark place. And he will shine out all the darkness. But once he comes in, the darkness is no more. He goes on. Look at this now in 1 John, John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh. Who's the word again? Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory. You see, there's the light again. We beheld his glory. And the glory, the light, as of the only begotten of the Father full of grace and full of... That light, that light is full of grace and full of truth. Now, now listen to me. Listen. If you say you walk in the light, how is it then? I just asked the question. How is it then that a child of God, a Christian, a blood-washed, born-again child of God, do not have grace for others? You know what grace is? Not giving somebody what they deserve. How is it then that some of the hardest people in life is Christians? Some of them. There's no grace. There's no forgiveness. There's a lot of hate. Friend, there should be no hate in you if you're a child of God. And then also, truth. How is it then that you get Christians that tell lies and live a lie? You see how, you see how this is a taste of reality for a child of God? But let's go on this more. John chapter 12, verse 36. Jesus again, he says, While you have the light. Who's the light now? Jesus. While you have the light, believe. Look at that word. Believe in the light that you may become, you may become what? Sons of light. What did he say earlier on? He said, If you follow me, you shall not walk in darkness but you will have the light of life. Now he says, while you have the light, believe in the light. Believe in the light. That's how you get the light inside of you. That's how you get the life. It comes back to that word, believe. Follow. Believe. And then what will happen? You will be sons of light. Are you a son of light? Oh, but I'm a female. Okay. Are you a woman of light? <laughs> By the way, that is son, is brothers and sisters. Are you a son of light? Now that you know where it comes from, now that you know that you have to walk in the light, how pure is that? John is saying here that this is how we become the light. Now, look at this. You know, you and I have got no excuse. No excuse. To walk in darkness. If you listen to Jesus now on the mount, okay, he says in Matthew 5 14, he says, You are the light of the world. Who's he talking about? He's talking about you and this guy. He says, Us, you are the what? The light of the world. 
Whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, that's a big statement. How do I become a light of the world? I better, I better pull up my socks now. I better fasten my belt now. I better, I better be disciplined now. I better be a good, better person now. No, 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 no. The way that you become the light of the world is what? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. That's what he's saying there. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put on a lampstand and it gives light to all. Look at these two things now. You are the light of the world and what are you going to do? You're going to give light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How do you do that? Well, you go to your workplace and you become the model employee of that place. You don't walk around with the Bible and thou art so mighty and high and all of you know, oh, geez, that guy. No, no. You, you know, we live there. And you know what? We tell the truth and we give grace. We tell the truth and we give grace. Somebody do you wrong. What did Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. Yeah. Can you see how this is now practically applying to you and me? Now I hurry on. Because, again, we come back to that question that he said, how do a sinful man approach a holy God? <coughs> I'm going to give you three things. We're going to pray and we're going to have food and tea and coffee afterwards. Three ways of approaching this holy God that John gives us here. The first one is, man is trying to bring God down to his level. We see this all the time. People are trying to bring God down to our level. 1 John chapter 1 verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, if we say this, oh, I have fellowship with God, and walk in darkness, that's the key to that sentence, and walk in darkness, what do we do? We lie and do not practice the truth. That's what He says, we lie. You're a liar. He, he, he stares you in the face. And he says to you today, you're a liar if you say that. And you know what these people are trying to do when they say that? If we walk in darkness, if we, if we do that, but we say that we fellowship. And let me bring it up. We say we are Christians, but we still walk in darkness. What you are doing is you are pulling God down to your level. That's what a lot of people try to do. We, we, we see cinnamons Christians today, and it's acceptable. It's becoming acceptable to have sin. Oh, you know, God will be gracious. It's not, you know, it's only a small sin. Since when is the Bible teaching small and big sins? Well, since when? And this is what people do. We, we found the same pr pr uh, problem in, in the Bible. You remember the letter of Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth. Why? Because there was a man there who had a relationship with his father's wife. Is that a sin? Come on, you tell me. It makes me nauseous just to think about that. My stepmother. I had a, a relationship with my stepmother, with his father's, his father's wife. But hey, in that church it was acceptable. No, we're going to bring them in and we're going to love them. We're going to love them with the love of, because the God is a loving God. We're going to just give them love and maybe the love will get them better. Love will not get them better. 
What they need to hear is the gospel, the truth about sin. If you sin, you are on your way to an eternal hell. That's what they need to hear. But they don't want to hear it anymore because it will chase people away. But you know what I say often? I say, you know what? I don't care because it's not my responsibility to carry your sins. Jesus Christ carried it. I don't have to carry it. You see, this is what happened in churches today. It becomes an acceptable norm to have the filthy things of this world now being accepted by churches. What are we doing? We are saying that we have fellowship with Him. Oh, we are a Christian church, but we walk in darkness. You know I can continue on about this. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Prostitution was unacceptable. It's a sin before God. It's a filthy sin, but it's not accepted in churches. So I go on, or do you know what it is? We look at the state of the church, and there's so many things which is allowed. Now these people are saying, in verse 7 he says, but if we walk, this is the good news. He says, this is good, but if we walk in the light, this is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ uh, 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 and His Son cleanses us also. Now look at this quickly. What happens if we walk in the light? Two things. We have fellowship, and the blood of Jesus do what? It cleanses us from the sin. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it marvelous? Now, first thing that happens is man tried to pull God down to his level. Is God going to allow that? No way. Don't matter who's standing there and saying God is allowing, it won't. If God allows it, we can tear up the Bible and never read it again. We can go to Sodom and Gomorrah and ask them forgiveness. If God allows that, He will not. Second thing, man is trying to bring himself up to God. That's what man's trying to do, to get this gulf between man and God. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, he says, If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So you see the first one? I want, you, I want you to see this perfectly. The first one, man said, look, I have fellowship with God, I'm good. But he walks in darkness, he pulls God down. Now, he says, if we say we have no sin, oh, look at me, I'm a sin, sinless perfection. I can't do any sin. I don't do nothing wrong. There are so many people on this earth like that. And maybe you know a few. Don't, don't call out their names, okay? This is, this is, this is recorded. <laughs> don't want a court case against us, friends. But he says it right there. He says, if we say we have no sin, what do we do? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not us. Now somebody said, well, if the truth is not in us, it means that uh, we are lying. No, no, there's a difference. You see the two here? On the one he says, we lie. And on the other one he says, the truth is not in us. Is that the same thing? Not necessarily. No, it's not. If you tell a lie, you deceive others. Because you know the truth. But you tell that lie to deceive other people. And this you can do when you try to pull God to your level. Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I live this pompous life, you know. It's good. Hallelujah! Or maybe you should say it in a higher tone. Hallelujah! You know, you, know, you and maybe you should put on a, a suit and a tie and you impress people. But you are lying to them. You deceive them. But friends, if you, if you do not, if, if the truth is not inside of you, you are deceiving yourself. That's the difference. 
And these people who's got number plates now in the USA, these mega preachers who go around and say, I'm a small Messiah. I'm a God. Have you heard about those? The truth is not in them, my friend. I'm telling you today, they are deceiving themselves. They are trying to lift themselves up to God's level, sinless perfection. And I'll tell you what, friends, I've looked through this Bible. There's no place in the Bible where he preaches a sinless perfection. Listen to Paul. He writes there in Romans chapter 8. He says, O wretched man that I am. What tense is that? What is am? Present tense. Here is Paul. I mean, he writes most of the letters in our, in our Bible. And he says in the present day, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of sin? Wow. Remember what we said a few weeks ago? Jesus wanted to wash Peter's feet. He says, no, no, you're going to wash my feet. And he said, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you've got nothing in me. He says, Jesus, not only my feet, but my own body. What did Jesus say? He said, no, you're already washed. But we wash our feet. We come to Christ and we, we confess our sins to Him. You see, this is Satan's life from the garden. He's trying to be God. That's why he was casted out of heaven. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be like the Most High. Now, I finish this morning with this. This is the way that John gives us. This is the right way. Not bringing God down to our level. Not us going up, trying to push us up there. Man humbles himself and he confesses his sin. That is the message that I will preach until I die the day. My last breath is out of this. doesn't matter whether I preach that to one person or 50 or 100 or 1,000. The message stays the same. He says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is how you get the light and the life of God in you. Since we cannot bring God down, we can't go to Him, what do we do? We humble ourselves and we come before Him, we confess. The word there for confess is homologio. It means that you have said the same thing which God has said. Listen to this. If we confess... We're saying the same thing that God is saying. And what is that? That sin is a terrible thing. Who knows that? God's saying it. He's saying it in His Bible. Read His Word. I've done, I'm, I'm reading His Word still. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not saying I've done it and closed it. He is saying this book tells you that sin is a terrible thing. It's terrible. It's horrible. And God hates it. And now, if you confess, you say, Lord, I agree with you. That in my life, this sin that I'm doing is a terrible thing. That's what you're saying. That's when you come to your knees. Listen to me. Listen very carefully. It's not a five-minute prayer when we do an altar call. You come out and say, say these few words after me. And, and when you stand up, I go, man, you are safe now. Welcome in the kingdom of... No, no, no. No, no. You need to come to a point where you understand that you are a sinner and that the sins that you conduct in your life is a terrible thing before God. It is a woeful thing before God. And the wrath of God will come upon that sin. Not because this man says so, because the Word of God says it and preach it. We need to preach it. You need to shout out, preach it, brother. Preach it, preach it. Keep on preaching it. I was in a church you know, in New Zealand. I was preaching just like now. A man came to me. 
And he was with us for a couple of months. He came to me and says, I'm going to look for another church. I go, okay, there you go. There's a family going. We didn't laugh bombing, so that was good. I said, why? You know, what is it? He says, the preaching, your preaching is just so strong in sin. I said, but I can't preach otherwise. He says, then I must go. He was no longer with us. But here's the thing, friends. I cannot but let the people know that if we confess our sins, what happens? We agree with God that it's terrible and that He hates it. And now we hate it like He hates it. Friends, if you hate your sins, you won't do it again. Let me test this. If you, like people say, they walk past somebody who did them wrong and they hate that person, is that the first person you're going to on a Friday night when you want to have fellowship? Hey, how are you doing, man? Hey, man, you just want to have a cup of coffee. No, you don't. You, you stay away from them, don't you? Don't you generally stay away from somebody if you hate them? This is the same concept here. If you hate the sin like you see it through God's eyes, you'll stay away from it. He says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. What happens? Two things if we confess our sin. Can somebody just call Leonie there? First of all, he says in uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, two things will happen. Two critical things need to happen. First of all, what does he do? He forgives us our sin. Somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, we can do it better. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! He forgives us our sin. Some people think, you know, if we confess, He's going to give us a brand new Ferrari. He's going to give us a brand new house. Well, that's what they preach. You can have a Ferrari and still be lost, man, as much as you can. You can wear the old beautiful... No, no. If we confess our sins, you know what He do? He forgives us our sins. The Bible says that He takes it away like the east is from the west. Have you seen how vast that is? He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And you know what? This is my words, by the way. He puts up a sign in that sea where your sins is thrown in. And He says, no fishing allowed. Because a lot of people do that. You know, sin and they forgive. You know, I forgive you. You're forgiven. Oh, but six months later, you remember? <laughs> you were just lying it out, the thing that you did wrong. Ah, oh, because the old cows, digging up the old cows. That's how we call it. God is not digging up old cows. He forgives us our sins, friends. And then the second thing He do is He cleans us from all unrighteousness. How does this work? Just quickly. Okay, so that haramatia, friends, you don't have to stand there and hit the bull every single time now for the rest of your life. Why? Because Christ came. It doesn't mean now you're going to continue with sin or continue. Hopefully you get that. That's not the message I'm preaching. But also paraptoma. It means that you're not going to trespass there. You don't have to... No, no, what? If you go there, the Holy Spirit will guide you. And, and this is what He says. He's going to forgive all of those things that you've done. But I like the next part. Because when I gave my life to the Lord, I used to swear. Because you come out of the army, you swear. Yeah? I like this. Yeah, I mean, I, come on, look at this angel face. And I know, no, you can't swear. Come on, that's angel face. But yeah, I used to swear. You know, when I gave my heart to the Lord, what, what stayed? I was shocked, Andre. I gave my heart to the Lord. And you know, the Lord saved me, I should say, that way. 
And then nearly two you know, a month after that, I was shocked. A word came out of my wow, that I'm pure. What where did that come from? And I said, Lord, please help me. Help me, Lord, with this. You know, he did. But this is the scripture that became real to me. He says he will forgive you your sins. That is instantaneous. He throws it into the sea of unforgetfulness. He forgives you. You are forgiven. But then he doesn't stop there. A cleanse is taking a while, isn't it? If you get into the shower and you turn on the shower and you jump underneath the shower, where's the first uh, water hitting you? On your head. Does it mean that the first water that hit your head, all of a sudden you're clean? No, what happens? You need... No, I won't go into that, but... I think everybody knows what happens. You, you clean, okay? But here, look at this, friends. He says, and your sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How does this happen? As you live this Christian life, the Holy Spirit will be with you and convicting you of things you are doing. And he goes, that's not the right way to do it, Johnny boy. You were really harsh to that person. And that's not the right way to do that. Next time, I'm going to get another chance. I'm going to come around. You know, he's going to remind me, Johnny Boy, remember previously, you know, now I'm much more kinder. It's, he forgives us our sin and he cleanses us. He helps us to go through. Now, John ends this morning for us. He says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 10, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. It's just a reminder he puts in there. He says, come on, you know now how to get the light. This week, as you go, please remember the following. Keep on remembering that God is light. And I want you to go away this week. This is a little bit of homework. If you've noticed the last two Sundays I've given you homework, yeah? I want you to go away and meditate upon what you've heard today. And I want you to go and sit somewhere this week. Just somewhere on your own and talk to God. Look, friends, you don't have to say, oh, Heavenly Father. No, talk to Him like you and I talk. Say, Heavenly Father, I've heard this message now. If it's convicted you, friend, today, don't let it go. Don't let it go. Go away. Find a place where you can sit and start talking to God and say, Lord, I want to ask you, is this light really in my life? And if this light is in my life, why am I feeling like this horrible every day? Why does it feel as if I'm dead? Because if the life bring if the light bring life, life is alive, isn't it? It's not dead. Go and do that. Talk to God. Think about it. And think about, you know, look at your life. Say, Father, help me. Am I trying to bring you to my level? Am I doing that? Or am I thinking I'm better than others? Am I trying to lift myself up? You see, uh, Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse I think, 8. He says, we, we, no, verse 3, he says, we, we all not ought to think of ourselves highly than others. Be always a little bit humble when it comes to others. Will you do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father.